Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Lauren Winans, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits, a nationally certified HR consulting practice. Lauren brings over 20 years of human resources and employee benefits experience, possessing a deep expertise of HR best practices and an understanding of what truly resonates with employees. She founded Next Level Benefits in 2019, built around a mission of offering HR teams with access to former corporate HR professionals on demand and when they need the most. Prior to joining Next Level Benefits, Lauren served as a senior HR leader and managed all aspects of health, welfare, absence management, and retirement for well-known organizations including General Nutrition Centers, American Eagle Outfitters, and Console Energy. And while working for Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, Lauren also gained extensive knowledge of the healthcare insurance industry. In addition to her work with Next Level Benefits, Lauren is also a member of the Forbes Business Council, Business Journal's Leadership Trust, and Women's Business Enterprise National Council. You may have also seen Lauren featured across various media outlets such as BBC News, Forbes, USA Today, and Yahoo Finance. So Lauren has truly built a career focused on improving culture, enhancing the total rewards being offered, and crafting a meaningful employee experience. So I'm excited to have her join us today as we're into November and open enrollment currently is underway for many organizations. So what better time to talk to Lauren, dig into some of the biggest challenges facing HR teams right now during this time of year? and how to drive employee engagement. But most importantly, let's share her story. So let's get Lauren introduced. Lauren, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it. I'm ready to talk benefits and and HR, anything. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to get you introduced to our audience. So let's start there. What was that initial spark that led you to pursue a career built around people operations, talent, and benefits? So probably like a lot of your listeners, I kind of fell into HR. And, you know, now, you know, there's, there's a lot more, you know, majors and, and there's a lot of education that you can take that can help prepare you. But ultimately I fell into it. I started my career at a Blue Cross and Blue Shield affiliate. So I learned a lot about health insurance. I was there for three years and I was looking, you know, for a new opportunity and ended up at American Eagle Outfitters as their entry level employee benefit specialist. So it was basically taking my knowledge and just shifting the role that I played um, in the whole process. So instead of answering questions from an insurance company perspective, I started to answer employee questions from an employer-sponsored healthcare plan perspective. And so, yeah, fell into HR, not really knowing what I was getting myself into, but really loved health insurance, medical coverage, um, plan design, all of that. And that's ultimately kind of what led me to HR. And then once I got in, I really, really enjoyed kind of walking that fine line between representing the employee and serving the employer. And so I, you know, spent the rest of my HR career kind of doing that in my corporate roles. And then fast forward 20 years, um, you know, about four years ago, I started my consulting business and we still do, you know, I still leverage these same skills that I've learned, you know, 20 years ago um, in what I do now. Um, but, you know, HR is one of those things that um, when you do fall into it, um, and it, it is for you, it does feel like you're in the right place at the right time. And that's what it felt like for me. Oh, I love that. I love that passion that you brought into this, Lauren. 
just pursuing these opportunities to really help create a great employee experience and a great relationship with employee benefits and really having those great experiences with GNC, with American Eagle Outfitters, to understand where benefits matter and how they impact the employee's experience overall. So let's start there, talking about benefits. We're having this conversation in early November. It's time of year when open enrollment is kicking off for many teams, and they're right in the thick of the process that can be challenging and very unique and different for many organizations. But we've seen so much change over the past few years, especially impacting the employee experience. So how have the past few years changed the employee relationship with benefits? You know, it's such a great question because, you know, I I feel and I hate to talk about the pandemic, but I will for a second here. Um, During the pandemic, I think a lot of us were able to kind of reframe and refocus, you know, what is most important to us. And I think that kind of bled into really everything that we do and everything that we experience. And so, you know, HR, the benefits enrollment process and the employee experience at work, you know, all of those things were kind of affected. And I would say positively, because I think what's changed over the last handful of years is really, you know, an employer really wanting to focus on, you know, how do we create an experience for the employee that's seamless, that's easy, um, that doesn't have to become an enormous time suck out of their day, um, that provides them with what they need um, and gets them moving on their way. So I feel like particularly with employee benefits, um, you know, it's a, it's a topic that not everyone likes to talk about. It's something that sometimes people only think about it once a year. And I really do think that over the last handful of years, you know, employers have done a really great job of kind of bringing to the forefront, hey, like, you know, we don't need to just think about benefits at open enrollment. And, you know, even when it is open enrollment time, we want to make sure that you're aware of the whole suite of services that we have and the programs that we have for you. It's not just about your health insurance. You know, I, I think employees are starting to demand benefits that are more in line with their lifestyle and with where they're at in their their career path and, you know, even just in their their own personal lives. And so I think a combination of all of those things are at play here, which I think has made, you know, employee benefits a little more, um, it, it's it's a whole lot more than just medical insurance and a 401k these days. And I, that, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. Teams are leading with their benefits to really differentiate and make themselves stand out in a challenging talent marketplace to say, okay, here's how we approach our employee experience. And here's what we can provide you as potential talent. That may be different from competition, from other options that you're looking at that really make our teams unique. I think that's what's been really exciting to see out of benefits is they're really being utilized as much as a recruiting and a retention tool as anything else. For sure. It's definitely one of those things that I think that when I was in the seat, you know, the benefits director seat for the time that I was, you know, I... I was always trying to come up with ways to make benefits exciting. And so it's really nice to see that there's a little bit more, um, you know, interest in wanting to understand from an employee perspective, what people have access to, you know, how does that look up against my compensation? And when people are deciding whether or not to stay with their employer or move on, they're looking at that full total package. And that's exciting to see because I always struggled in my career trying to make those connections for people, it's really nice to see that people are making those connections on their own. So let me ask this. You mentioned trying not to just fall into the pandemic conversation trappings, <laughs> and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, but it is really turning out to be a watershed moment, a pivotal moment for the workforce. How have the expectations of benefits changed in this modern workforce? 
mean, the expectations are just so different than, than they, they were before. I mean, really, employees are more vocal about what they want and what they're willing to accept and what they're not willing to accept. So if an employer hasn't taken the steps to identify where they compare against their competition, um, their direct competitors, where their employees might go to um, should they leave their organization, you know, they're, they're really going to be, uh, you know, pretty much up the creek when it comes to turnover. And so I think it's really important that employers are continually kind of not only checking the market and seeing what other employers are offering out there, but also regularly surveying their employees to better understand what those employees are looking for. Um, you know, I think the pandemic has brought all of us, um, you know, maybe a little more power in a way, you know, really kind of saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to take less than this, or it's, you know, I'm going to have to have X, Y, Z in order to feel like I can continue working at this employer, or I can work at this employer at all. And so I, I like the, the vocal nature of it. I think it makes an employer, like, you know, leaders, benefits directors, it makes their job a little bit easier because then they don't have to guess. Right. They don't have to assume. They don't have to try to figure out the puzzle. Um, they can just simply ask. They can observe. They can check the market. And, you know, kind of deciding how a program should be built should come a little bit easier than it has in the past. And so I look forward to hearing when I see employees that are, you know, sharing, hey, you know, here's where I'm at at this stage in my life. And I would really like to see a childcare benefit, or I'd really like to see a caregiving benefit because I'm a sandwich generation and I'm at the point where I'm taking care of kids and I'm taking care of parents. There's lots of employees that might have been mainly focused on health insurance and retirement for many years. But I think one great thing that's come out of the pandemic is that we're now focused on the bigger picture. What types of things can my employer be offering me that makes my daily life, my personal life and the lifestyle I want to live? How does that, how does it make it easier for me? Um, And while some employers might feel like, you know what, I just want to give them health insurance and 401k. I I really do think that a lot of employers are embracing the ability to be able to make their employees' lives better through programs that really do kind of, you know, fit with where they're at in their lives. Yeah. Benefits are really setting the narrative for the employee-employer relationship right now, more so than ever. That relationship you're building through your benefits can often make the experience worth staying for talent. For sure. And like, I mean, I've known countless people who have stayed with an employer because of their benefits package, um, because of how much is being contributed to the retirement plan, because of the vacation and time off, because of the ability to take an extended leave of absence, you know, every few years, the ability to get reimbursed for different portions of some of the things that they have to put money out for, whether it be taking care of family members or, or whatnot. You know, I've been in that situation before where, you know, my medical plan was incredibly generous. And I, you know, we were in a place in our lives where we had dependents who were using that coverage regularly. Um, and so, you know, what what's happening one year is going to be different, you know, to the next. And so I think employers have to remember, they always have to stay on their toes, but for the most, most part, you know, em- employees are 
taking a closer look at everything that they're provided, not just that that salary anymore. And I, I think that's important for employers to hear time and time again, because I think it's easy to slip back into, well, let's just throw some money at them. Right. And sometimes that works. But in most cases, people need more than just money to solve some of their daily problems and to and plan for the future and also enjoy coming to work every day. That's such a crucial piece, given how much time we're all putting into work and how, how much of a part of our lives our jobs really are and our employers play into that. So have you seen any benefits emerge as being more of a higher priority over the past few years? Again, pre-pandemic, I, I, <laughs> falling back into that trap. But but what have you seen really emerge as something that's become a higher priority over the past couple of years? Yeah, you know, I would say probably over the last anywhere between like three to eight years, there's a couple that have like really kind of emerged and continue to gain traction year over year. One is, um, you know, student loan reimbursement um, or even just, you know, being able to um, help with existing student loans as well, not just the ones that have you know been around for a while. Um, that has been something that you know really took traction um, probably right before the pandemic and then continued. I mean, and now that there's been a lot of chatter in the news too about what's going to be considered a forgiven loan versus what isn't, it's definitely um, come up as a priority once again. Um, because, you know, a lot of the folks that are entering the workforce right now or, are you know, maybe have only been in the workforce for maybe, you know, two to five years, they have a lot of debt in, in you know, student loans. And that unfortunately is impacting their ability to save for retirement, their ability to actually enroll into benefits. They're, you know, all these different things are kind of impacted by that. And so it is something that employers have really kind of um, taken a look at and um, many are incorporating that type of benefit within their program. The other is something that um, I noticed uh, taking flight during the pandemic and right afterwards and still to this day, but something that I don't think a lot of employers are necessarily leveraging to its full capacity and that's lifestyle accounts. Okay. So lifestyle accounts are really cool. If you haven't heard of them, basically it's a tool that allows you to put, um, you know, employer dollars into an account that an employee can access um, and they can use how they see fit. So for example, we we have a couple clients who have lifestyle accounts and one, um, you know, they put money in every single month and the employees have access um, through a software platform to leverage those dollars in ways that they would like. Like, so for example, as part of that platform is care.com. So, you know, one of our clients, when they put the money in, they were telling us a story about how um, the majority of the new parents in, in their company use those dollars each month and and put it towards their care.com membership or their care.com services that they purchase. Um, I've also heard stories from that same client about how they have some, you know, single, single men in, uh, in the workforce who actually use those dollars towards Grubhub, which is also on the platform. (laughs) And it's just a really cool, um, it's a really cool way to kind of help people defray those, those daily costs, those expenses that kind of creep up that, you know, we all want to be able to spend, you know, the money on the Netflix membership and the Grubhub, but we have responsibilities and we've got to pay for childcare. And, you know, we're, we're interesting in maybe, you know, playing in some, with some investments on E-Trade or whatever the case may be. And this platform 
you know, and having a lifestyle account attached to it really allows um, employers to kind of, you know, fund some expenses that would you wouldn't normally consider um, reimbursable. Um, and so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a newer idea, but also a very flexible idea in that the employer can really decide how, you know, they, they provide the support around these accounts, whether it be a software platform like that, or whether they're just, you know, providing dollars every month that an employee can choose to add to their 401k, or maybe they want to use it to offset their medical plan premium. There's so many different ways that an employer can structure something like this. And so it's probably one of the newer employee benefits out there. And anytime there's a new one, I get really excited because for so long there weren't any new ones. And so um, this is one of those ones that um, always it's exciting to talk about. And anytime I see an employer implementing it, I get really excited for them because the sky's the limit in what you can actually do in those lifestyle accounts. Absolutely. That, that's really innovative and creative. Thanks for sharing that one. And I love that you mentioned too, it really helps employers create a benefit that meets the employees where they are in their lifestyle. Right. It makes it a lot easier from an administration perspective, too. Sure. It's something that, you know, employers are always kind of looking at when they're looking to introduce new benefits. And so, you know, if you were to do this individually, like we'd have to, you know, administratively come up with an arrangement with Care.com, with Grubhub, with E-Trade, with all these different organizations. But if you, if you look at some of the vendors that are out there that are consolidating the different types of things that, you know, that people are leveraging at different points in their lives, it makes it a whole lot easier from an admin perspective too, which, you know, anyone who's listening, who, you know, can, who sets up benefit plans and makes those decisions knows that, you know, the admin piece of this is just as much a part of the puzzle um, as as anything is, because if it's too complex to set up or to maintain, it's usually not something that that you want to invest the money in. But this is something I think that, you know, you can really kind of take it and run with it and have a very simplistic administrative structure too. Yeah, I love that. You're given the option of choice too, which is appreciated by employees, but also makes it a lot easier to navigate as again, you're, you're managing these benefit selection when you can give something that's very broad and allows employees to have that self-service option and take it from that point. That's huge. So speaking of choice, we're at a perfect point in the calendar year to be talking about choice and it's with open enrollment really kicking off for so many teams going into November. So I really wanted to pick your brain on some of these challenges that HR teams face at this time of year. So what are some of those biggest challenges facing HR teams during this current open enrollment season? Gosh, well, I'll say the first is getting employees to actually read the communication that they receive as it relates to open enrollment. So usually that's number one. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard. You know, if you think about all the different things that get put in front of us on a daily basis, whether it be through email or, you know, through social media, text message, you know, phone calls. I mean, all these things are coming at us at all times. And so it's just it's really hard to get people to pay attention to something. Um, and so, so I would say number one is, you know, crafting the right communication that's eye catching, that's simple, that gets the point across is usually you know, one of the hardest things this time of year. Um, and then, you know, reminding employees and constantly kind of, you know, keeping them, hey, open enrollment just started yesterday. Hey, open enrollment's ending, you know, this week. Constantly reminding employees, um, you know, not to wait to the last minute is is also something that. Um, HR uh, is really focused um, on this time of year. And then, you know, the dreaded last few days of open enrollment are always tough because most people do wait. 
and unfortunately they have questions. They might have access issues into the enrollment site. They might be struggling trying to choose what plan. They might have some issues um, entering dependent information. You know, all the different things that can come up. And unfortunately, you're trying to get it all done on that very last day. So, you know, there's there's nothing about open enrollment that's easy, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, it's one of those times a year as an employee where you really need to be focused on choosing what's right for you and your family in the upcoming year. And so it is a time where you should be paying a lot of attention and you should be reading that communications. Um, and then I think, you know, HR teams are you know, they're, they're stretched thin with a variety of other things too, because most open enrollment periods are happening towards the end of the year. And Q4, we know, is always a busy time, really for every function within a business. But in particular, you know, a lot of HR teams, payroll teams, benefit teams are dealing with a lot at the end of the year. So it's, it's definitely not easy, but, you know, I will say that comms and, you know, handling everyone's issues is usually probably the, the most time consuming part of this time of year. I love that you touched on the communication piece. I've been wondering with technology really being introduced into the workplace and changing so much, creating more flexibility, it's easier to have distributed teams now more so than ever. Has communication become easier with workforces regarding benefits? when you've got a distributed team versus when you could really get everybody together in one office, has tech made it easier or harder to communicate your benefits? So that's such a good question. And from my opinion, it is, it depends upon the company. And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, I believe that it's, it's more of a generational issue in some cases too here. So yes, it is easier to pull everybody into a conference room and tell them everything they need to know and hope that they're hearing you and being able to say, okay, I told them. Um, so that is number, yes, that's a hundred times easier, but there are, you know, a lot of um, people out there, a lot of employees out there that receive information differently. And so those that like to, you know, actually read something while they're hearing the message, um, you know, I, I do think that technology has made it a little bit easier to get hard copy and or digital copy of information in front of people to read it at their leisure, to receive the information the way they want to receive it, um, and also to be able to go back to it or hand it off to their spouse who might be making all of the benefit decisions right. in the household. Um, and so so while while I do think that, that technology has definitely um, helped um, for people to have a variety of different methods and mediums to receive the information. I do think that, you know, there are some employees that might be a little bit more resistant to relying on digital communication than just being kind of pulled in and being told the information. And so that disconnect, you know, is probably always going to be there, but it definitely feels as if um, right now in this moment of time, it's, it's more of a generational gap than it is, anything else. And I think then in turn, what makes all of that complex for the average HR team and the average benefits team is they then have to come up with all of the various ways to communicate something to their employees. So right. instead of just one way, 
and one presentation or one handout, there has got to be like three or five different versions of different things and ways to get information out there. So it's it's a much more complex communication plan from an administrative perspective. But I think what's exciting is that you are kind of meeting employees uh, where they're at in terms of how they like to receive information. So if you've got text messages going, if you've got emails going out, if you've got a portal that has all of the information out there, and if you also are offering in, you know, uh, Zoom meetings and or in-person meetings, you're going to touch everybody um, and everyone's going to be able to have a, a shot at understanding that information, you know, 100 percent. So, you know, trade offs, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You, and you've got to get creative. Look, as somebody who spent a career in the media business, I've seen media evolve over the past 15, 20 years with technology where, again, it, there's different ways to reach an audience, the same way it can be said with your employees, right? And finding different ways to reach your employees and communicate to your employees. It's not just that one conference call or getting everybody into a room to share the latest benefits updates. You've got to find, you've got to really meet employee needs in all those different mediums. So again, coming up with smart ways to share all the benefits information and document that all. Certainly not a bad option as document, document, document is always one of the lessons and things to lean on, especially in the people operations space. So it allows you to do that much easier. But again, you've got to now reach people in multiple ways as opposed to just getting everybody together in one room and sharing the message at once. So it's creating an opportunity to be creative and innovative in this current in-between of the old way of doing things and the new way. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, how you handle your communications is really going to set the tone for your culture, right? So as transparent as you are in communications that you're putting out to employees, regardless if it's benefits related or not, um, you know, the more understanding and the more educated the population will feel. Um, And so it's really, really a critical part of open enrollment, but it's also really, really a critical part of just, you know, keeping those lines of communications and developing a culture of transparency. And so, you know, if you got to spend the extra time building out what a comm strategy looks like and the different mediums that you're going to use and the timing and making sure they all sync up, it's going to be well worth it no matter what. Yeah, really well said, Lauren. Now, as you were walking us through some of those challenges, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the idea of engagement and getting your employees active in open enrollment, not waiting until the last minute. So are there any tried and true methods that you've seen to really help drive and improve employee engagement during open enrollment? So the one thing that comes to mind right now is communicating early and often. So maybe not waiting until a couple of weeks before open enrollment to remind people that open enrollment is coming. You know, maybe it's more of, um, you know, maybe, so let's say your open enrollment is at the end of October, beginning of November. So maybe at the end of May, you send out some communication. Hey, you know, we wanted to bring you along in this process, everyone. We've just, you know, we, we've spent the last few months, you know, working on what the plan designs are going to be for the upcoming year. You know, we're really excited to share more information with you. You're going to receive a few more pieces of communication in the coming months. Open enrollment will be this date to that right. date. So if you do that, maybe like, I don't know, three, four times leading up to open enrollment, it's like, okay, they've been waiting for it as opposed to you waiting a few weeks before open enrollment and like bringing it to their attention and like kind of like springing it on them. Yes, we all know it happens in the fall, but 
people aren't paying attention to that. They have other responsibilities for the organization. Right. They're not paying attention to when open enrollment is. So it's, I always like to say, you know, communicate early and often um, is usually the best chance at getting people to be ready for the, the, the short time period that you give them to make um, their choices. And I think also too, having them being ready for it is usually better than having them have to be distract, this being a distraction, having to pull them away from something that they're doing for the business, or maybe they have something else going on personally right now. You know, it's challenging when you're springing things on people, they usually end up waiting to the last minute because they feel like they don't have enough time. So early and often communication is my number one recommendation. But then, you know, also too, just kind of like we've been talking about, you know, knowing your employee population and how they like to receive information is really key. If you know that most people like to receive text message reminders, um, you know, email communication and the option to attend an in-person or a, you know, virtual learning session, set all those up. Yeah. You, maybe you only get, you know, a handful of people, um, you know, at each virtual session, but if you know that that's how people like to receive information, provide options and make sure you're deploying those at the right times leading up to open enrollment. So, you know, it's, it's all in the communication. It really is. I hate to harp on that, but you know, it, all of the work that a benefits team does all year leading up to the big show, which is open enrollment, you know, you, you don't want to throw away all of that great work, all of the great changes you made, all of the enhancements you did, um, because you poorly communicated what you, what, what's, what's available for the upcoming year. You want people to be excited for it. You want them to be ready for it. You want them to make choices that are wise and that make sense for them. And if you aren't communicating and thinking about all the different ways you can educate people throughout the year leading up to open enrollment, it's going to make that time really hard for them and for you. Those are great. Here's what I really liked about what you shared there, Lauren. First, the know your audience piece, I think is crucial, right? Know, know your audience, understand who your workforce is, how they communicate best to really get them engaged. You're seeing it year round. Now's a great time to utilize that, put that into practice and understand what works best. But then the communication piece too of starting early makes so much sense. You're eliminating that feeling of drinking from the fire hose. When you unload everything in a one hour or two hour meeting, that sometimes can be a lot to process. You're, you're fitting it into everybody's day. If it is the meeting route that you go to communicate, uh, we're again, maybe not everybody's engaged. You don't know what they had coming into or coming out of that meeting, but there's also a bit of recency bias too. You're thinking about what matters to you right now, where the benefits is a year-round process, a year-round function serving employees. And they may not be thinking about what matters most to them in the summer months or in the spring months because you're right in the thick of fall and, and heading into winter. So I think that's a great way of starting up to get that process going, to get employees thinking about what matters to them early on. So when open enrollment does kick in, there's not that drinking from a fire hose moment where things get missed and glazed over or there's confusion. I mean, you have to remember too, employee benefits, nine times out of 10, the different programs that are being offered, they're complex. There's, right. there's complex rules. I mean, if you think about health insurance, my goodness, I mean, none of us have got the whole thing figured out. And so, you know, I, I think that when someone is faced with, you know, a late communication on top of not necessarily connecting really well with the subject matter to begin with because it's complex and they have a million other things going on, their own deadlines, due dates, personal things. 
I mean, it's, it's a recipe for failure, right? So yes, that person is naturally going to be the person trying to enroll on the very last day, frustrated, maybe yelling at you, yelling at different people as they're trying to figure things out. Um, yeah, any anytime you can get ahead of things makes things a hundred times easier for people, particularly when they are complex topics like this. And health insurance is complex. Retirement plans are complex. All these different programs are you know, they're not easy to fully understand and they only come up in your life when they come up. They're not something that you think about every day. And so it's just, it's important that, you know, you leverage every opportunity to get it in front of your employees in advance and often. Yeah, I love that. So now, Lauren, one thing I like to do with the HR audience here in any discussions is give some takeaways. I love creating that moment where our audience can write down something on a post-it note and put it into action right away. So is there one thing that HR teams should stop doing immediately during open enrollment that's working against their employee engagement and making the process more complicated than it needs to be? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I would say they should stop um, making assumptions that every employee understands benefits and or HR people ops concepts the way that we do. Um, I think that when you can distill a really complicated topic down to something you know as simple as three to five bullets for somebody, um, they will understand things so much better and they will not be avoiding or ignoring any future communication or, you know, meetings that you might want to have about that topic because they feel like they understand it. Um, And so I think, you know, making assumptions that people know more than they do um, can, can lead us into situations where we're not being clear, we're not being transparent, we're not giving our employees with the right tools and resources to be able to make good decisions. And then that impacts them for the entire upcoming year. If they're in the wrong plan, you're going to hear from them three or four times a year complaining about their deductible or, you know, the the provider network or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I think that there's an assumption that, well, you know what, we can't handhold everybody. But you can't, but at the same time, you really can help to educate people and, and spend the time, you know, really making sure that you're not making any assumptions about people's knowledge about different topics. We all are very, you know, smart, educated people in our own way for different things. You know, there's a lot of things that I am very smart about and that I fully understand. And then if you tell me anything about an automotive or a car or anything like that, I literally, I, I, I glaze over. I cannot comprehend what you're saying. There's a lot of people that feel that way about employee benefits. There's a lot of people that feel that way about different concepts that are within, you know, the HR realm. And so it's important that you don't assume that someone understands something as well as you do. Yeah, that is that is great advice. Now, Lauren, do you have anything that we could have our audience start doing? Something you would encourage anybody you work with to say, you know what, here's a great place to start to really make that experience better. Yeah, you know, I always um, have encouraged and continue to with our clients, you know, really try to help people identify who their audience is and how often they feel that they can communicate to them without feeling like they're a burden. (laughs) Um, And so building a strategy that includes understanding who your audience is, who your people are, 
and maybe even developing personas, right? So maybe, you know, one persona is the employee who is, you know, single, doesn't really have a lot of, um, you know, personal responsibilities, um, but is new to their career and is like, you know, they want to hit the pavement. They want to work really hard to keep climbing that ladder. Then maybe you have another persona of someone who, you know, has is further along in their career and has a family um, and they've got young kids and they're struggling to get through every day and, you know, get the kids to bed on time and all of that. And then maybe you have someone who's closer to their retirement age. Their kids are, you know, they're empty nesters. They're figuring out what's next, you know, after they leave an organization. When you create, you know, a, a clear picture of what your employee demographics are, it really can help you with everything else you do within HR. It helps with the communications. It helps with how you speak to them. It helps with how often you speak to them. It helps with determining what types of policies should be in place, what types of programs should be in place, what types of um, learning and development opportunities should exist. So I would say the best thing to do is to, if you don't already have personas developed around the different people that are within your workplace, start to do that and then leverage that as your first building block anytime you're trying to create strategy in any area of HR. Yeah, that strategy piece is brilliant. That makes so much sense. Look, you're not going to be able to serve everybody perfectly, but at least when you've got those personas you can build, it gives you a game plan that you can then cross-check your strategy with to make sure you're, you're hitting all those marks you need to and doing it the right way. That's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that, Lauren. Now, look, we're having this conversation days away from Veterans Day, so I think this is a great question just to throw in here. and I'd, I'd love to get some perspective from you, Lauren, seeing so much in the benefits world. What's the most effective and successful benefits that you've seen offered to support veterans in the workforce? Yeah, no, what a great question. Okay. So, I mean, naturally, um, military leave, um, is, is, a, is a big one. And, you know, that's ultimately just making sure that any employee who, um, might have to serve in any capacity, whether it be for training, um, or get deployed or what have you, um, you know, has an ability to do so without having to sacrifice pay. Um, so that's, that's number one. Um, and most organizations have that, um, there's some compliance, you know, regulations around it, but a lot of employers go above and beyond, which is fantastic. Um, but some other benefits that um, I've seen put in place that uh, I know have been incredibly impactful um, have been um, some relocation benefits. And, uh, you know, when when a military family um, has to get uh, relocated, um, you know, for whatever reason, but they're also maybe they have a part time job or maybe they even have a full time job with you. Um, you know, it's really nice to be able to provide families with a little bit extra financial support during that time. Um, I've also seen um, organizations who offer um, what they what they typically call um, transition benefits, which helps um, it mainly helps the spouses, whether that's male or female, but helps them to kind of you know integrate into a new environment. Um, maybe get um, a good understanding of you know which pediatricians are the best ones for their kids in the area, what school districts are are good. Um, you know, how to, um, you know, get in touch with certain types of uh, governmental or state services that are available. So there's lots of different support benefits that you can build kind of around, um, you know, military families, you know, veterans. 
Um, and then I've also seen some really, um, this was actually a new one I saw recently that I thought was really, really cool. This one client of ours had a um, add-on benefit for their retirement plan that if you were um, a veteran and you had served in any capacity at any time in your in your life, they were willing to um, provide additional dollars into your 401k account. Which I just thought was really cool because I hadn't seen that done before. There's there's some tricky administrative rules behind the scenes that employees don't need to know anything about, but they had figured out how to crack that nut and how to make it work. And it was just really nice to see that um, that the company was willing to to provide more towards that um, veteran's retirement to really kind of say, hey, we appreciate the work that you have done for us as a nation, and we're going to help you um, get yourself set up for retirement and be able to really enjoy it. So that was something I thought was pretty cool too. But there's there's so many ways, you know, and that's, you, maybe that's a persona, yeah. right? Maybe you can develop a persona around an employee that might be affiliated with the military, that might um, have a military family, it might be a, you know, a veteran who used to serve, you know, build those personas and kind of figure out like what would be impactful and important to, to those individuals and then kind of build some programs around it. It's, it's a really, um, it's an easy thing to do, particularly if you really want to make an impact, um, and, and say thank you for their service. It's a great way to show appreciation, show recognition and support as well. I love that you mentioned too, those support benefits to support the families of military members. That's huge. And it's a great way, again, for organizations to set themselves apart and really recognize their workforce, especially the veteran sector of their workforce, and show that appreciation year round. And that's that's so smart. Thanks for sharing that too, Lauren. Again, perfect time of year to be thinking about that. And that's something that can be put into place, if not this year, looking at that going forward as future benefits to really support the veteran sector of your workforce. For sure. And you, you, you want to be able to attract veterans to your workforce too. So it's a great way to, you know, also establish like a really great program and don't forget to communicate it because you want people to know about it and you want to get credit for all that good work. Couldn't say it better. <laughs> That's some fantastic advice. So we're here with Lauren Winans, CEO and principal HR consultant of Next Level Benefits. Now, Lauren, having launched Next Level Benefits back in 2019, What have you learned about yourself over the past four plus years of launching Next Level Benefits that you feel has made you a better leader? You know, I have really shifted my focus in terms of, um, I used to be incredibly focused on how many hours a day I was putting in and really kind of just working really, really hard um, without recognizing that I, you know, needed time to recharge to rest, to relax, um, in order to be the best version of myself, um, and also be the best version of a productive employee. And so I've learned a lot over the last four years that, you know, when you run a business on your own, you wear all the hats. And I, you know, quickly learned that in order for me to be the best leader I can be, I need to remember that I can't do it all in in one day that, you know, I have to be able to kind of parse out my time and maybe chunk out my schedule and really think strategically about how to be smart with my time as opposed to just investing a lot of time. Um, and so kind of that whole concept of like, you know, work, work smarter, not harder. Um, it took me a really long time to figure out that whole concept, but I do feel like over the last four years, I've spent a lot of time, um, kind of keeping myself in check, reminding myself that I need to, um, 
you know, be, be smart about the time that I'm spending and what I'm spending it on. And it has really um, helped me tremendously um, to, to focus on the big picture, which in turn makes me a much better leader than I was before. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Now, one thing, speaking of sharing that I like to do with the HR Works is share some advice. And we've all had those pieces of advice that we've leaned on throughout our careers. So do you have a piece of advice that you've leaned on that has helped you throughout your career that you could pay forward and pass along to our audience of HR and recruiting professionals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've had several wonderful leaders in my past, but one in particular had always told me essentially about the power of feedback and how it is such a gift to other people when communicated correctly. You know, no one wants to hear about something that they've maybe done wrong or that they're falling short on. But if you flip the script a little bit and you think about feedback as, no, 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 I'm not going to tell you what you did wrong. I'm going to tell you some additional things you can do to make it right, to make things better. If you think about feedback as an opportunity for someone to get a sense of kind of where they're at in a particular you know, career, position, um, project, people want feedback so badly, but they don't know how to ask for it. And people who can learn how to give feedback in a positive, productive way, it really is such a gift to hear that. So one thing I would say is, if you have an opportunity, maybe it's reading um, a book about feedback. Maybe it's listening to some podcasts with some really cool, interesting leaders that can kind of share about how they interact with their teams. You know, maybe it's even just going through uh, some Adam Grant posts on his Instagram. I mean, all these different things can really kind of help you better understand, you know, how to deliver feedback in a productive way. Um, and your teams want it so badly. Um, but they also, you know, feedback can have a little bit of a sharp edge to it if you don't know how to deliver it in a, in a meaningful way. It can make you feel like you're blaming someone or calling them out. You, if you flip it around and you make it more positive, you know, feedback is going to make your team stronger and it's going to make you stronger as a leader because your team is stronger. You can actually focus on the things that a leader should really be focused on when your team is performing at a high level. So feedback really is a gift. That's the thing that, you know, I have kind of learned, not only learned, but had heard multiple times from, from you know, this one particular leader in the past. And I believe in it. And I, I really think that if you can take anything away from, from what we talked about today. You know, if you can find ways to deliver positive, impactful feedback to your team, you will be better for it and they will be better for it. That is an awesome one. That is actually my choice too. When I ask these questions, I always think, okay, how would I answer? Feedback as a gift is 100% the best advice I've always leaned on. And it's all about being intentional. I'm so glad you said that one there too, Lauren. As I saw it kind of unfolding, I was like, she's going to go with feedback as a gift, which is, which is my number one. But you're so right. You need to be intentional and really thoughtful about how you deliver that feedback as well. Yeah. It cannot be off the cuff because it is so useful and can be such a gift that you're giving. You've got to be thoughtful with how you're doing it. Absolutely. You need to ensure that you've run it through your brain a couple of times mm -hmm. and that you know you know who you're talking to. Know your audience. Yeah. That comes up a, a lot during this conversation. <laughs> we're bringing it back. Central themes here. So again, we're here with Lauren Winan, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Lauren, do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience? Anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're excited about? Now is a great time to do so and certainly give our audience anywhere they can go to learn more and get in touch with you. 
Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we're, we're really excited at Next Level Benefits. Um, we continue to take things to the next level year over year. We're really, really happy about that. We've expanded our business a lot over the last four years, and um, we help people in a variety of different capacities. You know, we can manage things on a project basis. We can help with, you know, from an advisory perspective. We also place interim talent um, and fractional support when you have a, you know, turnover or extended leave of absence. So we can help, you know, fill in those gaps on your team. And so if you want to check out more about us, feel free to check out our website. Um, It's nlbenefits.com. So NL, like next level, nlbenefits.com. You can also follow us on Instagram or our LinkedIn page. We put a lot of great content out, just kind of sharing information that might be trends that are going on in in the HR industry. Um, And then, you know, if you ever, you know, feel like you want to get in touch with me, I'm I'm always here. I'm, uh, you know, kind of give away my time maybe a little too much because I love nerding out and talking about stuff like this. But if you've ever liked to reach out, can always reach me at my email address. It's lauren at nlbenefits.com. And yeah, you know, 2024 is going to be a great year for us. We're going to be putting out a lot of, uh, you know, great content um, that will hopefully be educational to the HR community. We're also going to be revamping our website and putting a lot of new downloadable content that will be available. For example, we've got some stuff out there right now about AI in the workplace. And um, so we've actually got an HR policy template in Word ready for you to uh, download and mark up as you see fit. So we're going to put more content out there that makes things a little bit easier for the HR community. Um, So you can just find the resource you need and and get moving. So yeah, please visit our website. We would love for you to uh, check us out and reach out when and if you need us. Okay. You're tackling that AI hot topic. I love it. Uh, But lots of exciting things on the horizon for, for Next Level Benefits. I'm excited for you to see what you guys all accomplish in the next year, but we'll certainly provide that link as well to nlbenefits.com on our site post on HR Daily Advisor. So be sure to check that one out. But again, Lauren Wynan, CEO and Principal HR Consultant for Next Level Benefits. Thanks so much for sharing just so much of your time and insight. Now, Lauren, before we let you go, I do end all of our podcasts with this one bonus question, and it's all built around motivation. So when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Ooh, good question. Um the possibilities. I go into each day not knowing what, you know, what the day is going to bring. And that's exciting for me. I like jumping in and trying to make the best out of each moment out of each day. And so when I wake up, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking positive vibes only positive vibes, you know, just what's going to come and what am I going to do with it? So it's, it's just about what could happen. And I'm always excited to see what it is. All right. doesn't get better than that. So again, thank you, Lauren. So Lauren Wynan, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Thank you again for being on the HR Works podcast. Thanks for carving out some time with us. I really enjoyed our conversation and would love to have this again. So we've got to have you back on in the future. But until then, thanks for joining the HR Works podcast. Thanks, Josh. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.